0: Well, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Realcom Live. Boy, have we got a great show for you today. Um, my one-word phrase description for this week's topic is, wow. Um, there is probably not too many bigger uh, topics. Uh, this is not just impacting a building or a city or a bunch of buildings. This is a paradigm shift conversation. and Let me explain. So for a hundred years or so, we've been building buildings um, to serve a certain purpose. In other words, we get in our car in the morning, we leave a, a building, a house, we drive to an office. After that work, we drive to a health club. After that, we may work, drive to a restaurant. And over the course of the last 20 plus years, um, this thing called digital transformation has been taking place. And what that means is we've been replacing some of the things we used to do in physical buildings with um being able to do them online. For example, movies. We once had movie theaters, now we have Netflix. And so this digital transformation was going on. And then all of a sudden this pandemic comes along and forces everybody in their homes for a couple of years. And it forces us to live, work, play, educate, go to the doctors in much different ways. And what it did was it showed a mass, vast majority of the people in the world uh, all the things you could do at home. And one of those specifically was work. And as a result, office buildings were empty for 18 plus months. And now that the pandemic is over, uh, folks are having trouble getting people back into the office. Um, You know, that uh, two hour commute and the time and the effort and the carbon and the gas, um, the parking garages, the dry cleaning, all the things associated with getting to that work. There's this tension now uh, that's fighting between um, culture and productivity and convenience and to some extent green. So we have got a world-class group of people that we've gathered together to to, to talk about this. We've been talking about it for about three months now. This advisory group is going to be presenting a a forum pre-conference event at the conference at Real and IBCon because this is such a big topic we couldn't do in 45 minutes. Um, We needed a couple hours, two plus hours, uh, maybe even three hours to deal with this topic and try to unpack it. So this is a precursor to that event. And today we have just got a phenomenal group of people. We've got Mark Kruth. Um, modern work coach and evangelist for Atlassian, Cliff Pollan, CEO and co-founder of Wheelow, Skip Rodenbush, founder and CEO of the Virtual Specialist, Case Sargent, Senior Principal Director of Workplace HOK, Greg Gallimore, Principal Design Experience, Design Leader for Gensler. We have got a world-class crew. Let's bring them on and get into this conversation. I'm tired of just even saying all that. <laughs> if if it feels like about 30 years of conversation condensed into a couple minutes uh, because it has been creeping in on us over time. You know, the laptop, the modem, the mobile worker, the cell phone, the Internet, um, Teams, Zoom, uh, all these platforms. And so um, why don't we start uh, going around and letting the audience get to know you a little bit. Skip, we'll start with you. Just give everybody 20, 30 seconds of your background and why you're here talking about this topic. Thank you, Jim. I'm the founder of the Virtual Specialist, and we specialize in identifying applications for emerging technologies, specifically in healthcare, in sustainability, and in commercial real estate. Um, Consider us as like the uh, architects for the architects dealing in this whole virtual space from basic telemedicine to the metaverse. Well, and a little color to Skip. um, Skip had a virtual receptionist in the lobby of the Westin Hotel in Silicon Valley 15 years ago. Her name was Anna. It was extraordinary. And hopefully we have time to learn a little bit more. 20 years ago. Um, Sorry, I knew I was, I knew I was, uh, (laughs) Cliff. (laughs) You're on mute, Cliff. Oh, oh, there you go.
1: Yeah, thank you. I'm Cliff Pollan. I'm the founder of WeLo, which is came from We Love and We Locate. So how do we bring people together um, in a virtual world? So our goal is to create and not have this narrative of um, do we get to the office and collaborate and build culture? Are we virtual? How do we bring those together, the office and create a digital version of that? that we believe can start to help and bring this all together. Awesome.
2: Kay. I'm Kay Sargent. I'm the Global Director of Workplace at HOK. And I have been a practicing designer for over 38 years. That makes me tired even just saying that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We work with clients all over the world that have millions of square feet of real estate and they usually don't like a lot of surprises. So we do a tremendous amount of thought leadership to kind of see what's coming, what's happening, and to help our clients get a little bit of clarity around the issues of the day.
0: And a little color on Kay, since I've known you probably 15 to 20 years, Kay is a warrior. Um, I don't think anybody travels more miles in an airplane than Kay. She is relentless and she's been dealing with this topic for a long time and it's got really big credentials. So, Mark
3: yeah so uh mark kruth i work with atlassian which we're a software company that builds collaboration tools and my the reason i'm here is my big focus is how do we help teams work better together and in the workplace of the future how we're trying to figure out as a distributed first company meaning our people can work wherever they'd like including the office essentially how do we work with teams to help them figure out what they use the office for. What does the future of, you know, or really what does today's modern workplace look like and how do we leverage those pieces? And for us, we've redesigned our own spaces to help encourage new ways of working. And uh, that's why I'm excited to be part of this.
0: So you're living it. You're not living just talking it every
3: about
0: it. day. All right. We're going to hear about some of the successes and challenges. Mm-hmm. Greg.
4: Hi there, Greg Gallimore. I'm with Gensler, doing digital experience design, designing experiences that bridge immersive to connected, intelligent experiences that allow us to, um, you know, work and uh, be inspired, uh, be informed, and everything in between. Uh, my my take on this that I'm really looking for is how do we instill. The idea of continuous innovation with all of our clients, all the companies that we work with and allow that to be really part of the secret sauce that makes our clients really sing. That experimentation is the key to really meeting the needs of a changing future and a complex future. So thank you, Jim. And you you guys have been at it a while. My color on Gensler is um,
0: 25 plus years ago. I did a session with David Gensler at BOMA. We didn't know each other. And I remember going to his office in Santa Monica after and he sitting there, he goes, Jim, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I think we should probably try to figure it out. <laughs> so I've uh, had, just like Kay with HOK, uh, we've had a longstanding relationship with Gensler and uh, both of your firms have been right there on the cutting edge trying to figure all this stuff out. So, um, all right, so let's get started with our questions. Um, you know, we there's too many. We're not going to probably get to all of them, but... You know, now that the pandemic is over, um, you know, and, and people, you know, the excuse was that it's a pandemic, I can't go back to the office. Uh, but now that it's over, you know, why, you know, I want to talk about what are the reasons they're not going back to the office and will we ever get back to a five-day work week.
2: Anybody want to take a stab at that? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in and take a stab, a little bit of a stab on that one. So I, I think look, when we do the assessment of all of this, I think there's a few things. Number one is the commute right? I don't think anybody relishes and loves their commute. Maybe maybe a little bit of separation from the office and a little bit of downtime. I actually yeah. miss it more than I thought, which is kind of surprising. But I think most people think, I don't want to get in my car. I don't want to have to deal with that. I don't want to deal with it. The second thing is that people have gotten into whole new patterns. This has yeah. gone long enough that we've gotten into a whole new level. And I don't think people resist change as much as we all think they do. It's transitions. Like if I told you I'm going to move you to a new house, you'd be like, you know, I don't want to move. But if I said you can wake up tomorrow and be in a new house, we'd all be in for that. Right. So the transition between the two and the fact that we're in this new rut. I think the third thing is that the research shows that 94% of people care more about when they work than the 80% that care about where they work. Interesting. People have said, you know, I I want to be able to pick up my kids at three. I like going to the gym at 10. So I get up early and I work and I do a few hours of work and then I go to the gym when it's less crowded. Or I like walking my dog at noon, right? So that ability to break your day up in a way that is more manageable for individuals is something I don't think anybody is taking into account, which is huge. But I'm gonna I'm gonna drop another bomb here and I'm gonna say that the elephant in the room that I think everyone is ignoring is that work has fundamentally shifted over time. I'm gonna use myself as an example. I graduated 38 years ago with a degree that was paid for the day I walked out of college. I had a degree in a profession that I thought I would be in for 30 years. And I could work a little bit in the evenings but we didn't have internet and cell phones so I wasn't accessible 24/7. And I had the prospect of being better off than my parents. Yep. The younger generation is graduating with a degree that will take them 10 or 20 years to pay off. That degree probably won't even last them their first career. Of years, which of yeah. They're not going to work 30 years. They're going to be working 50. They can be reached 24-7 for the prospect of being worse off than their parents. Yep work has fundamentally shifted to something that quite frankly is unpalatable and unsustainable and so people are pushing back and saying we have to have some boundaries you know
0: i'm thinking when you're talking i think what we're going to do is have a either a good old-fashioned whiteboard or a digital version of that in in the forum yeah. that we can because okay. there's all these pressures coming and, and you just listed two or three of them and it's not one thing we have to contend with it's a bunch of things happening at the same time. Now, Mark, you, you're living this, right? So, oh, yeah. I mean, why are you back five days? Is anybody in your company back five days? Will we ever get there?
3: So for me, you know, and what we actually experience is it, it comes down to this idea of flexibility, you know, and, and I think this kind of goes back to what Kay was saying with that third point is we've done our own research internally and externally. And honestly, the thing that matters is people can choose how and when and where they work. And so for me, you know, like I I might go and if I have a chance to be near an office, I go to an office, and I spend a the day there because I can get to connect with some folks and then I might not, you know, then I might work from home the rest of the week. And so for us, it's having that and I'll be I think the idea of a five day work week is just, it's something that even with the emergence of new technology, think of something like open AI over the last five months and what it has done to even just rudimentary tasks. It's things like that, that are actually going to continue to chip away at that Really like, do we need to be at work for five days? You know, some of the stuff we don't even need to do anymore. And so yeah. I'm super excited to see how the the bringing of flexibility, the whole idea of new technology, and then honestly, the taste of the of of what's possible that we experienced this yeah. last you know few years. Because that's the thing. We didn't know that we could make this work and by God, we made it work.
0: And, well, we and the funny challenges. thing is people are saying five day, my career, my, my career has been seven day work weeks, right? I, I mean, my Saturday morning, nobody's bothering me. The phones aren't ringing. The house is getting yep. organized. I get up early. Those are, that's a valuable time for me to get caught up and kind of organized and, you know, occasionally a Sunday is thrown in there if you're flying around. So I, 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 I think that. If we do look at it at a seven-day perspective, right, you know, then then that even, and and that doesn't mean that we're working, you know, everybody says, oh, we're going to go to a four-day week, and I'm saying, well, yeah, maybe, but how, how you spread it out doesn't matter it's it's are you productive and are you getting the job it's
3: all about how teams can then figure out how they work together with that because honestly to that point we do like i have a team member you know two team members in australia i'm in the east coast of the u.s they're my sunday is their monday and so they're already starting off we're already having to work kind of a little bit around the clock and so we've just got really good you know ways of working we put in place to say hey this is how we're going to keep in touch and so i think as that proliferates you're going to see this like this realization they're like I don't actually have to work from, I don't have to log onto my laptop at 8 a.m. and then log off at four. It's you know, what works best for how I want to live as well as how I want to work with my
0: team. Yeah, and uh, Greg, I mean, Gensler, I mean, buildings all over the world, right? Um, is, is this different in different parts of the world? I mean, the U.S. seems to be taking a much different role on this than say somebody in Hong Kong where you've got a four families living in a 400-square-foot you know, uh, apartment that go out of the house every morning because they just there's no way they could work from
4: there. I mean, are, are you seeing this different different places around the world? I think that's why life is so exciting. You know, life is so rich because of all the complexities, because of all the differences, both in region, the industries that we serve, um, the kind of uh, experiences that we have as individuals versus groups. Uh, if I approach this from an individual perspective, I might want to have that total flexibility. I lead teams i like working with people and for that to happen no matter where in the world that you are uh you got to relate to those people some of that can happen digitally but the best form of apprenticeship of mentoring of raising the next generation is going to happen in person. It's just a fact um, that you can have greater impact. So um, when we think about what is the mode of our experiences, the total continuum experience that Kay was talking about, of all the moments in between, when we put that together and look at the various industries in which we serve. If we're working in sciences and you have a lab station and you really need that physical presence, you're going to be working five days Mm -hmm. a week in that lab because it's going to take your career farther. It's going to provide greater sense of innovation. A lot of digital companies have this total flexibility. They might drop in two days a week, two days a month, months a quarter for a symposium. There's a lot of different modes and we have to be embracing the complexity and richness in life so that we can get back to a better sense of what it means to create value. Even,
0: I'm even hearing people saying remote all the time and then they, they buy a, a, a week at a retreat center and every sure. quarter the whole team goes to this retreat center and they go horseback riding and swimming in the river and you know got all this collaboration going on and they so there's a hundred different formulas if you will mm-hmm. uh, but let's let's talk for a minute about what is I mean the the debate is carbon and time management the flexibility that Kate touched about you know with people's schedule so you got carbon no gasoline and flexibility versus collaboration and culture. Let's, why do people need to go in the office? Are they really collaborating? You know, is there a, does a culture really happen at the lunch table? Let's, let's break that down a little bit.
1: I, I think, Jim, I think it is a false narrative um, because we haven't yet sort of taken the next step. So we do wonderful when we're all there and we're all together. Um, and we know that experience works. But no one would have thought that Amazon was going to be this huge retailer when they started 30 years ago. So, you know, there's 97 billion square feet of, you know, of space in the U.S. alone. What happens when we have 97 billion square feet of space in the cloud? And what's that experience going to be like? And I think we're going to see that there is enormous. It's a, it, we don't have to make these trade offs we can do great collaboration online. Um, We had the mobile phone and that wasn't what the iPhone experience or the smartphone is. So I think we're gonna end up with digital spaces that have enormous experiences bringing people together that build culture, that build collaboration and we'll start to find that balance and I think it's gonna be amazing. I truly you know, one think thing, it's gonna be amazing. Go on.
3: Mark one thing on. Cliff, I wanna add on to that too, is it goes back to this idea of like, when you bring people back to the office, it's bringing back the culture. But the yeah. thing is, especially in my space, you know, I've, I've heard so many people that says, hey, I've, I've gotta go back into the office. And then I go there and I sit at a desk all day long and join Zoom meetings, cause my team's not there. <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, nobody wants to be in that spot. Now, if we create curated experiences, I was actually at a conference last week completely focused on the remote world, and there and a lot of companies are starting to pop up to say, how do we create these curated experiences, just like you were talking about, Jim, where we bring people for what we call it Atlassian, some intentional togetherness, like instead of saying, well, no, you got to be in two days a week, even if you're not mm-hmm. going to see anybody, yeah. uh, you know, no, let's get you together to actually bond. And build well, even,
0: even, before, even before the pandemic, I kept urging people to do studies about collaboration. What is collaboration? Is it social collaboration? Are you talking about the ball game on the weekend that you both want to go to? Are, are you looking for a mate? You know, in the dating scene, is that that kind of collaboration? Or is it intellectual, work-related collaboration where you're talking about the next big thing and the next project? So there's all sorts of different types of collaboration. I, I just think it would be interesting. And that they're that.
2: and they're all important. But you know, they are all important. Yeah. Mark, uh, you know, I mean, g- going back to one of your points. I think it's really important that if we're bringing people together, we do it intentionally. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest challenges, hybrid could be the worst of both. If people are commuting and then sitting on Zoom calls.
4: Absolutely. And,
2: And unless we change our policies and procedures and practices, along with our work environments and our work practices, It's not going to be impactful. And I think right now, I think the real estate world is being set up for failure because everybody is looking at us and saying, you need to create a space that's a magnet that everybody will want to be. But I can design the most amazing space on the planet. But if leaders aren't there, if people are sitting on Zoom calls all day, if you're not managing people any differently, if you're not encouraging different behaviors, it's not going to be successful. It's this is hybrid is by far the hardest model to pull off successfully.
3: It goes back I, I, to Greg's I, I, point earlier, that word complexity. We're trying to put a very simple solution, just like hey, go in two days a week. It's a very simple answer. The thing is it's not a simple solution. It's it's no. so much more complex.
0: No. I, I got friends who go are in one of the nicest buildings in Manhattan and I'll be talking to them, and they will go, yeah. He says, everybody's sitting in their office doing Teams or Zoom calls, you know, and it's like, that's not collaboration that's, that's surrounded, you know, or based on a physical presence as opposed to a virtual. All right. So let's, let's, uh, we're not going to do a mid-roll commercial today just because this, we got so much we got to cover. So um, let's, let's talk about, I've added the word flex to our site, our description. Not, it's just not hybrid immersive. It's flexible, it's hybrid, and it needs to be immersive and engaging. Let's start with Greg. Greg, define that. What the heck does that mean?
4: Sure. Yeah. To, to us, when we look at designing and designing complex systems like the workplace, it's it's more than interior design and architecture. It's behavioral design. It's service design, understanding how spaces operate. Um, we really have to look at that wide spectrum. So. Um, Breaking it down into spatial design technology design and behavioral design and policy creation, those kind of three pillars relate to the definitions of of these designations of the future of work, where where Reflex is really about a policy. It's about providing the choice and optionality for people to choose how and when they're coming in, where hybrid is really a technological issue um, that talks about how we interact between people that are both remote and in-person in offices, like the, the, the previous point we just went through, where immersive is more on the spatial experiential side. What, what does it feel like? What are the materiality of the experience? What are the things that we're doing in that space? How are we inspired by going to spaces, and that can happen both physically and virtually. Uh, Kay and I can design amazing spaces. Cliff's platform is beautiful. If you look at the graphics of his virtual, you know, environments that they're creating, you know, all of that is a continuum of experience that we're happening. How do we weave all this together um, and provide the flexibility that people are demanding? Um, improving our technologies and testing things out so that we can really make hybrid work better and overcome some of the obstacles because. Technology is always an evolution. We, we could have imagined that we would all been remote two years ago at the drop of the hat, but right. we did it as a society. Um, and that's really part of the point is that it doesn't really stop there. We have to create amazing experiences, but then go beyond the building You know, when we think about the environmental issue and climate change and the carbon side, it's going beyond and thinking about how are our cities assembled? How do we create more accessible cities where we can ride bikes to our office, um, that we can have the flexibility to jump on a virtual environment platform to get into those critical functions that we're doing, but we're not gonna have VR glasses on all day. We're gonna enjoy life. We want blue sky thinking with real blue sky. All of these things is the richness of society, like I was saying before, that we really have to think at that full spectrum, that full continuum, and really kind of play these out to their maximum potential. So so let's talk specifically about the technology a little bit.
0: 20 years ago, in 2001, at our conference, we teleported somebody onto the general session stage. What teleportation means, at least to me, was he looked like he was three-dimensional. He was in London. It was, a, it was fake, it was using smoke and mirrors. We, they, they basically took a piece of plexiglass and shot his image and from 10 rows out in the audience. He looked more real than I did, okay? Now, unfortunately, that technology has not evolved as quickly as I think it should have in the last 20 years. Although um, uh, somebody who's part of this group who's not on today's call will tell you that digital collaboration means making people feel like they're in the room. So here's the question to the group, how far are we away from making, so we're sitting in a conference room in a beautiful building that Kay and Greg designed. Um, but but not everybody in the room is there physically. Some people are there digitally. How so how long before that person sitting next to me is digital, and it feels like we're all in the same room?
3: Five years. That's what I'm giving five, it.
0: Five years.
1: Jim, I'm not I'm not sure it's the right problem we're solving.
4: Okay. Uh,
1: think about what Greg and Kay create is spatial this sense of space and awareness and what's going on around me and the and the ability to connect. So it's when I leave that meeting that I'm still with everybody, right? When I get off the Zoom call today, if I'm even if I'm in the office, we've said there's no one else there. And if I'm home, I'm alone. I want to be with them. And and I think we keep getting into this, what's it like? Am I would it feel different to me if the five of us were sitting around a round table in this discussion? I'm not sure that's the problem. Mm -hmm. What we want to know is what's around us. Can I go tap, skip on the shoulder as soon as we finish or grab Mark for a quick question or head up to the coffee?
0: Spontaneity.
1: And, and spatial awareness and presence So all the psychology says, cognitively we do well when we feel connected right and when we're in a space we can be connected and i think digital spaces today well, they, yeah go on well, sorry.
0: So, so yesterday i did a, a speech remotely i couldn't fly. Yeah. i couldn't get it in my schedule and i've been doing these remotely for 10 years so i'm constantly trying yeah. and, and i forced this poor team av yeah. team I said, I need a shot of the stage. I need a close-up of the stage. I need a shot of the audience. I can't just sit here and stare into a screen and try to get excited. I need to feel like I'm in the room. Right. Everybody had goosebumps by the time I was done. We had so much fun. I, when when, when I, I got introduced, Scott was on the stage, and he was small, and they put me up big on the screen. And I go, Scott, you're so little. Let yeah. me grab you. Everybody was laughing. But what made that possible was I, I could see and almost feel that room. And I got to believe, to Mark's point, that in five years, we're going to get much better at this.
3: I think the technology is is almost there. And, I mean, just think about, like, the metaverse and what's happened in two years with the metaverse. If if people haven't been out and checked out some of the real spaces there, it blows your mind. Now they just need to figure out how you make the technology more accessible is not the word, but more, like, easy Easy. to use. Yeah, because I think, you know, no one wants to put on a big headset. The moment I get that in the form of Google Glass or something like that, changes the game.
0: Yep. And I'll give you another perfect example. Go into any any conference room, high-tech, beautiful building that was designed pre-pandemic, and they got the cameras in the back of the room. Everything's changed. You need cameras facing the back. You need, I mean, cameras need to be able to be moved around. I mean, even getting people into a Teams meeting, who switches it, the person in the back of the room, or is that done within the Teams meeting? There's this the technology layer that's going to integrate into the physical space to make it smooth and easy. And yeah, we'll never be able to have a beer after, but I do think what we're doing now is going to get better.
3: I think we could. And to, yeah. to what Cliff's talking about, I think eventually we could. It may, I may be having my own beer at my house, and you might be having yours <laughs> at your house, but it might look like we're having a What beer.
0: would happen? Yeah, it's funny. What would happen if all of a sudden all of our doorbells rang, and there was our DoorDash, and right. they all had a bottle of beer for us? And then we could... I mean, it's not the same, but it's we've
2: had, yeah. yeah. We've had we've had virtual happy hours. Yeah, yeah.
1: And Jim, I, I think the other thing is that that when we're in meetings, meetings can be good or bad, right? <laughs> and yes. how well somebody facilitates it and organizes it. And all of a sudden, we're going to be digitizing, helping us to be better. Who's talking too much? What's the sentiment of this meeting? Are we going off the rails? Do we need to go take a five minute break and get reset? Are we in discussion? Is it time for decision? Where are we? So I think when you start to think about what you really need to make a good meeting, it may not be that we feel like we're sitting around the table. It's that we've got the best tools to have the best productive discussion.
0: I, I, I tell you, I can't wait for this forum we we didn't even get half the questions answered which i knew would happen because there was so much great interaction
1: yeah.
0: um but i mean the digital war room immersive technologies. i mean and we're gonna and again you got two of the best architectural design firms on the planet and the right people trying to figure this out we're going to layer all the best technologists on top of it we're going to throw it on the table and see what, what comes as a result but this is the beginning of the journey i i mean there's no we're just getting started i mean a lot a lot of questions um, unfortunately, I knew we were going to run over, we did, but who cares, this was such a great conversation. Um, thank you so much, not just for today, but for the last few months, you know, developing this conversation, your participation and efforts for the conference coming up in June, but really for your entire careers. I mean, you're all here for a reason, because you're, you're leaders, you're innovators, you push the envelope, you've got your ear to the ground, and uh, you're shaping a new world. And I really am just grateful to be part of the conversation. and. Uh, Having you on today was a lot of fun. So thanks for having
4: us. us, Have a
0: wonderful weekend and we will be in touch shortly. A little more work to do. All right. As you could tell, that was um, just an incredible conversation. We could have gone hours and we're going to go hours at the conference. Uh, There's so many good pre-conference events. I don't know. You better bring a team of people because you're going to be struggling which one you want to go to. All right. So, um, this week, um, before, um, we, you know, I would usually bring on the news at this point, but we're doing something a little different. Every once in a while, we're going to interject, um, what we're calling our prop tech conversation into uh real calm live in, instead of the news. So this week, um, we've got, uh, um, our, our new featured guest and, uh, it's really kind of fun to, um, to bring these guys on. We've been talking with them for probably two years and, um, Ivo Van Brukkelen, the partner of PropTech Connection, is going to come on and he's going to give us a few minutes on what's going on in the PropTech scene. These guys are, are analyzing the market. They're bringing um, all sorts of um, technology data to the conversation. They're quantifying what is PropTech, where's the market going. And uh, we're really excited to have Ivo on and, uh, and have him give us his insights on what's going on in the market. So with that, why don't we bring Ivo on and uh, here, how are you, sir? Very good. Thank you for having me, Jim. Great, Davian. I understand your partner was not going to get up at 2 a.m. in Sydney, so you're going to carry the load today, and uh, we're excited. Uh, we got to come up with a jazzy name for this, PropTech Connection, or you know, uh, uh, insights on PropTech, but um, it's just really good after all these months and almost years of conversation to have you on board, to have this conversation, and uh, we're excited. So I'm going to get out of your way,
5: take it for a few minutes, give some insight, and I'll be back when you're uh, just about wrapping up. Super. Well, thank you so much. And, and again, thank you for, for having me. So just uh, for context and, and, and thank you, Jim, obviously for outlining that we at the, at the PTC are effectively a strategic prop tech advisory. So we're 24 seven in the prop tech market working with institutional uh, asset owners, investors, operators, but also a number of Fortune 500 companies um, um, leveraging our insights and advising them. So first and foremost, probably worth uh, uh, mentioning, we are experienced in both the real estate world and the VC world. Um, and we have often also experienced a suboptimal way in terms of how prop techs oftentimes explain their offering in real estate terms. Uh, what we do at the PTC is we we'll always look at things from a micro perspective and talk with our clients about mega trends and, and micro drivers. So obviously one thing that was discussed um, today is around evolving assets, right? And what we're starting to see in in, in, in big markets um, uh, with favorable demographics, you look at Mexico, you look at India, you look at Vietnam, uh, you start to see a lot of office spaces is being converted into Resi, right? So you see like 80% of millennials in some of those markets still living with their parents. And now they have the opportunity to live in, in some of these um, CBDs effectively, right? And another mega trend that we're seeing is connectivity to understand customers, right? And how to tie into the building users effectively. So um, what we have done at the PTC is we have a prop tech market intelligence platform where we looked at over 8 million data points. Uh, that we mapped and calibrated through a prop tech lens. So what we're now able to do is um, find and match companies to to real estate companies with a very high degree of confidence, and we can segment them by normal metrics, as well as current real estate teams, use cases, tech capability, and there's another 50 or 60 filters behind that. So how that ties into the conversation of today is, if you look at the uh, the concept, concept of, of work from home or future of work, we have mapped that to over 300 references and we can give insights what's happening in market, right? In different parts of the world with data lab research and, and intelligence. So when you talk about the office uh, market, it feels in danger. And and we at the PTC think that is rightfully uh, 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 so the case. Um, you start to see that obviously, uh, of our, I should say a lot of our conversations we're hearing folks speaking about the new office, right? And some say, hey, that is Tuesday till Thursday. Some say it's Tuesday, Friday, whatever it may be, but we think that's unrealistic. Um, obviously paying for uh 24 uh, 7 and maybe only using five hours a day at best is not um, economically uh, making sense and also from a sustainability stand- standpoint it doesn't make a lot of sense either um, so i think what you're starting to see here is if, if you look in, in examples like what, what what uber did with taxis but also with Netflix like, with with video rental um, i think or we believe that that real estate is is, is is a lot about catalyzing feelings right people want to come to places that they, that make them feel happy um, that's extremely important and a um, um, great real estate can obviously uh, facilitate that so what we see on the on the tech side um, new business models are needed right for all uh, parties involved across the entire spectrum so investors, operators, occupiers uh, and this is obviously where 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 this concept of prop tech uh, uh, comes in so, innovative business models that can deliver, let's say 70% occupancy and say 60 or 70% utilization, which is probably double or triple depending on the asset in the city of what we're seeing today. Um, so uh, we have to find a way to optimize that space or um, um, or give up effectively, right? So what does this mean then from a, from a technology standpoint, uh, ESG is a big pressure for a lot of real estate owners. That's what we're hearing um, uh, all across the board globally. Um, Obviously, the easy savings have already been made, right? With with a lot of optimization technologies, right? If there's no one in the space, you don't need to put the lights on or tracking um, um, occupancy. Um, the next level we think is ESG of ESG is, is compliance, which is tends to be pretty expensive. You look at solar panels, which have a very long return profile. Um, but on top of this, uh, people aren't going back to the office, right? And actually, a very interesting data metric that that I run in this week. Um, Um, uh, showed that in um, uh, downtowns uh, cell phone activity in a city like San Francisco is 30% of the level of pre-pandemic levels, right? In New York, it's 74%. In Chicago, it's 50%. In Boston, 54%. So this obviously has huge implications for retail, restaurants, but primarily office. So, you know, the question that comes to mind is where do you spend the cash, right? So either is that technology that brings uh, folks back to an office or meeting ESG standards. Everybody is talking about amenities, electric vehicles, apps. Um, But the the, the main question that still needs to be answered is, is that enough? And two, how do you decide how to do that with 18,000 startups, prop tags in the space? Right. So we're seeing different technologies being adopted in different parts of the world, very regional biased. And that's effectively where we have and advise our clients. So um, as we discuss in in, in our next session, we'll, we'll actually run through a presentation and give some some live data market intelligence. Um, from an investor standpoint, in, in conclusion, um, we're seeing really strong prop techs, uh, uh, values going up, right? Because VCs need to deploy and you start to see that the mediocre prop techs are getting haircuts and the average ones are not getting any funding. Um, and what we're seeing is that the main space um, or is, is around construction and anything to, that helps effectively big, um, big, big owners uh, get people using buildings or how they use buildings for something else, right? So again, converting into Resi is something where we see a lot of tech now coming in. Um, again, from our standpoint, we always look at things from a macro perspective with a regional context. You know, uh, what I, I,
0: well, you just said in five minutes could create two hours of dialogue. I mean, yes. the, the questions that are in my head as a result of what you just said, but the one thing I do wanna point out a little bit was the, the cell phone utilization data. I mean, if you took that cell phone utilization data, applied it against the square footage of that city, you could actually probably get more accurate utilization data or you know, equally as accurate utilization data um, than, than if you did each individual buildings. I mean, and, and that data is easily accessible, right? 30 percent of what it was pre-pandemic for San Francisco. 31
5: percent of San Francisco. 31
0: percent. I mean, that that's absolutely Might crazy. Another thing I really want to prepare to get you know, our next conversation is, you know, 5000 companies, 10,000 companies. I think I heard you say 18,000 companies. It's all over the board. The thing I love about you guys is you have no skin in the game. You have, you have no other vested interest. You're not raising money. You're not incubating. You are simply there quantifying the market and offering real good independent information. Desperately needed in this market. One of the things I want to maybe ask for next time, um, we've been doing a little bit of analysis ourselves. Some of the early prop tech companies that went public, no. it's, they fell off a cliff 70 to 80% on devaluation from one of their highest go public uh, uh, share price question is, can you apply that to all those private companies sitting in venture capital firms or or private equity? I don't think that's the case, but that question's got to be looked at and and that issue's got to be resolved. We've got a great team and and group of venture capitalists and investment organizations coming to the conference. We're going to be in a room trying to figure that question out as well. So, um, I just want to say thank you for uh, taking the time today. We're excited to have you guys uh, come on board and, and be you know a part of our show from time to time and really you know have these focused conversations on the state of prop tech uh the prop tech investment landscape and, and everything to do with um where this industry is going so
5: thank you thank you
0: Jim. thank you you have a great day and uh we'll talk to you soon be well all right uh boy jamming so much in today's show so before we uh wrap for today let's hear from our final sponsor and i'll be right back
3: At FreeSpace, our purpose is to organize the world's workspaces
0: to make them as hybrid-ready and efficient as possible.
1: FreeSpace, the space to work effectively.
0: All right, so next week, um, you know, we talk sometimes uh, philosophically, sometimes uh, broadly. Next week, we're going to get very specific. Uh, The topic is going to be, what does a smart HQ headquarters look like, Uh, parking garages, HVAC, lighting, access control, tennis courts, bathrooms. I mean, really, what does that involve? And we've got uh, two great guests, Mark Petock, the Chief uh, Marketing Communications Officer for LinkSpring, really an industry legend. Mark's been around this conversation for 20, 25 years. And then David Swank, CEO and founder of Exchange. The two of them are going to have an incredible conversation on what does this corporate headquarters look like from a technical standpoint, design standpoint, and give everybody a little bit uh, better idea on what the corporate headquarters, the smart connected corporate headquarters of the future looks like. Excited about that uh, that episode next week. So with that, I'd like to say thank you to our guests. You saw how exciting, uh, exciting that conversation was just to lead into what we're going to be doing in June. Thank you to our sponsors. And of course, thank you to our RealCom team who puts this together each week. Great job, guys. Uh, Thank you all. Be well. Have a great weekend. We will see you next week on Realcom Live.